0: Welcome to Why Make, where we talk with makers from different disciplines about what inspires them to make, with your hosts Rob Helmkamp and Eric Wolkin.
1: On the podcast, we have Brian Wurst, who's the lead instructor of the woodworking program, the professional crafts program, let me get this correct, at Haywood Community College, a place both you and I know well, because we both attended the program, although let's be clear, I gr- did not graduate, you graduated, <laughs> so I didn't graduate from the program. I spent one year, but uh, Brian Wurst is the lead instructor of that program, and I believe he comes from an architectural background, so it'll be interesting to talk with Brian about that path from, from architecture to, to furniture to becoming a teacher.
0: Yeah, well, he ran his own cabinet shop for about eight years or so before he became a teacher, and I had the privilege of, after I graduated from Haywood, I got to drop in to Brian's shop. That was my first bench space. I paid those guys 50 bucks a month to have a bench space in, uh, in 2005 and 2006. So I, I got to make a couple of really cool pieces with Brian and then start making my own work. It'll be great to sit down and talk with Brian about becoming a furniture maker then an educator.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always interesting to see that path from, from makers to educators and, and how they work on that that balance, I mean, how much time do they spend still making, or do they devote most of their time to teaching, and just where that's going, but here's our conversation with Brian. Welcome, Brian.
2: Um, well, thanks for sitting down with us so why I was say, welcome to you. It's actually always great to have uh, folks who have some background of the program and remember yeah. some of the, uh, right. the skeletons that's... in the closet from the, uh, the well, old years of it. It's good to well, be back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it really it's is. actually, for me, it's a
1: pilgrimage. I mean, it's it's been... Thirty years since I've been up that road, and uh, remarkably, it looks the same.
2: Many things we have nice new digs, but many other things on our campus and some of the things that we do at the core of our program, too, have not changed in any significant way. So, And
1: actually, the interesting thing for me was just the, that first century. Because when we got over towards Canton, I smelled the paper mill. And it was like, <laughs> we're almost am, here. We're almost here. <laughs> yeah. I know oh. we're close. I smell the paper mill. Yep. And I know if you live here long enough, you don't smell the paper mill anymore.
2: It's apparently gotten better. But you're right. I am probably so used to it that, that although I live over in Asheville, so I would think I would have some not quite as inured to it. But, but yeah. Yeah. But it's a wonderful area, and it's changed probably a little bit in, in 30 years. Although, you
1: know, it's interesting <laughs> how your memory kicks in. So speaking of memory, mm. so, you know, the crux of why make is asking why people make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, often there's a, there's a history of when you first made something <laughs> as a child and your first sort of inspiration to make something. And I throw out to you, you know, well, one, where did you grow up? And, you know, what was, you know, what's your background and, and what do you remember
2: as being your first inspiration to make? Okay. Well, I actually grew up, despite my silly last name, I grew up in the Asheville area. My family actually goes back here eight generations. Uh, we became city a few generations back, wow. so I don't have the thick accent. And uh, so grew up in this area. There are a few of us left who uh, actually did. And in terms of the first things making... I wish I could tell you some distinct memory of the aha moment Mm -hmm. of the first thing I ever made. My memory as a child is not all that crisp, but I would say more is I don't have any memories of not tinkering and making. Uh, My fondest toys as a child were Legos. I mean, a little bit different what I do now, but, you know, this additive process of making things. up. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the engineering of a table or things like that is not too dissimilar. Wood behave[s] entirely differently, but always doing things, always making things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family, again, some of them are local, so I had a great grandfather who I partially grew up with a little bit, who lived on a farm until he was 98 and slaughtered his own hogs, and just this kind of idea that you do everything. He had a little, a little um, kind of log that I, diary that I've inherited, and it just kind of says, you know, do it yourself in there in pencil, and I just every, I always kind of did it. I learned how to do wiring for a shop as we all sort of have to do i've witnessed that yeah. many times
0: <laughs> i've seen you up running wire and yeah. showed me i learned how to wire a shop
2: from you <laughs> that's that's sometimes particularly when you're starting out it's that's the necessity you do it yeah. yourself because oh, i can't hire an electrician and at 80 dollars an hour yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of actually making you know make wiring is one thing but making furniture making stuff whatever it might kind of always there's no one hallmark thing and One of the things I have to laughingly talk about is my background actually is in architecture. I went to university architecture school, and the the ethos there was, you know, work crazy hard doing these plans and all this, learn that. But I found we had a little tiny wood shop, probably just a few hundred square feet, and I find myself migrating over there, and this is before I knew anything about where'd you go to uh, architecture school uh, Rice University down in Houston, so, oh okay, yeah, okay it was at that time just one of the, it still is one of the best architecture schools, but I sometimes butted heads with the professorial types. Uh, I value what I got there but but yeah, there's a lot of times and just a stress relief or whatever, I would just wander over to this little bitty wood shop that was ostensibly supposed to be used for building architectural models. Mm-hmm. But I built a futon, which um, I'm glad I discarded it years ago because it would it would be, I, I could laugh at it happily now, but uh, <laughs> it would never make it in a portfolio and not exactly what I aspire to do these days. But, but it served
0: the purpose that you needed oh, it to. Oh, absolutely.
2: My dorm was packed out and I didn't know about wood movement. I didn't know about proper joinery and all that thing. It was screwed and plugged and hilariously bad, but didn't do any sculptural things in there. but But it was kind of the fun place to go for me. It was a little escape from the stresses of spending days straight without sleep in the architecture studio itself so
1: and also i I mean because i remember when i was at haywood there was a couple of (laughs) ex-architects and architectural (laughs) students and i think one of the things that drew them was the scale i mean you know in a in a building project you're
2: just one piece of a much larger cog very much so i actually graduated and went to work in architecture firm in asheville for a couple years and Mm i i was blessed by my boss just thought oh he's the young turk and let me loose designing schools and college buildings and but i was wearing you know wearing a tie 40 45 50 hours a week uh yeah. sitting behind a computer which in all honesty is what primarily what architecture is and i have this theory that all architects and i think also contractors really just want to build furniture they want to work at that smaller <laughs> they scale. Love that. I love <laughs> yeah that. because you're doing things that a and as an architect somebody else is building you're dealing with Theories. this wonderful fountainhead-like aspect, but you're spending two years drawing this project, and sometimes it's drawing these wonderful things, sometimes it's drawing, this is how this pipe penetrates through a fire, four-hour firewall, you know, collating stuff from, it's, it's, to me at least, I understand many people love it, but it was so hands-off, and so mm-hmm. I was itching to do it. And again, I think all architects and contractors want to do that. I think all woodworkers really want to go build a house. So I think we all sort of are looking on the other side of you the caught f- me. green grass right. on the other side of the well, fence. right? And, <laughs> yeah. and obviously,
1: maybe many contractors and architects want to become woodworkers,
2: but they realize that, yeah, this isn't a great way to make a living. Yeah, that's <laughs> the sort of dirty secret. I that is a, the dirty yeah, secret. I probably could have retired. Well, not with the recession, but, but yeah, even doing that, and that's why my my story is like a lot of folks. I did that for a couple of years, did the professional thing, and. Many, some people actually started at 18 years old and do woodworking. We had a few students here at school who mm-hmm. do that, but we have a lot of non traditional students, and I was one of those as well. I did this other formal thing for a while and had this itch. And yeah, crazily enough, gave up the, the lucrative career <laughs> and uh, decided to go run away to the kind of circus of woodworking. And yeah. that's, that's most of our students here. That's the storyline that they have. Join They're not the circus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rob and I have come up with a name with this. It's
1: called the reverse degree. You know, people, yeah. that, people that have a bachelor's in something else, Rob's mm-hmm. is in journalism, mine's, <laughs> yeah. mine's in geography. And, oh. then, and then we end up here. And we
2: yep. Come back we end up high. here
1: just sort of following our passion. Yeah.
2: And it is that passion. I jokingly say, though, it's sort of like some kind of math program where, like, there's your passion leaving the station, the train, and you're leaving 20 minutes behind. But if it's actually going faster than you are, then you may never quite catch it, but uh, you're still following it. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's certainly in my position now, in a teaching position, I, that's primarily the population I'm dealing with, people who always wanted to do this. There was somebody in their family, mm-hmm. they grew up, you know, their father, grandfather did it. They always wanted to do it, and yeah. they kind of ran away to join the circus, and they're doing that. And I would love, I wish I had, I kept a list over the years of that very same thing, all the degrees that have come through here. I mean, I had a retiree <laughs> a few years back who had a, a master's in computer science and an MBA. Um, and he was a retiree. So this was his post grade work for IBM for decades. Wow. So way educated. And of course the school tried to make him take a couple of intro classes and general education classes. That's always the hilarious thing, but we've had people with <laughs> uh, master's in various things, all sorts of things, because it's this itch. I think a lot of people have to make something and yeah. And, won't.
1: And, you know, I'll admit I didn't graduate from this program. I only spent a year in this program, <laughs> yeah. but I got what I needed. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was the whole point. Yeah. It was a, it was a vital piece of my my education as a woodworker and and uh, and the design. I mean, who who was our design teacher? You, Bob, Bob Gibson. Bobby Bob Gibson. Yeah. Bob was incredible. That's, Bob was wonderful.
2: Yeah. There are so many different paths to getting to be, you know, there's so many people who are self-taught or trained at the feet of someone else or went to a four-year and a master's or a little two-year program, but whatever it works. But yeah, I've, I've got a lot of fondness for the one that I teach at that all three of us went through and that, you know, the technical stuff, it's a great foundational stuff. You, you can only learn so much in two years, but it's a great launching pad. But we also had a strong entrepreneurial sense as well. And then yeah. those design classes, that's always, and we all of us had Bob Gibson, who is just a wonderful, wonderful instructor. And I think those really helped. There are a lot of programs and places where everybody comes out having done the same thing or same type of thing. There's enormous value in that because you can delve deep into those things yeah. and learn so much, but what the program here and what we all went through, it's like, yeah. here's some design fundamentals, find your own vision, which is, I will say it's incredibly frustrating to teach in a way because I've got 13, 14, 15 people down there doing, I'm like, oh, you're doing arts and crafts, mid-century modern, you're doing this, and it it makes my head want to explode. But it's also so much more fun when people are finding their own design voice. Yeah, they're not all making the same. Well,
1: I mean, it's the hardest part of any art form or craft Mm -hmm. is really finding your own voice. And it's, you know, you end up, at least at this stage, doing a fair amount of
2: floundering around. That's yeah, I mean I, I always even yeah, I tell our graduates it's like you're going to flounder for at least 2 or 3 years and then you'll start having these aha moments and you're like, "Oh yeah, I don't have to think through that." And and that's for technical stuff. I mean, we're always still learning on. Design, I got to say, I've been doing it 20 years and I still haven't really found exactly I kind of know maybe and I wish it were something else in a way, but it's kind of the core voice that is what I do and it's never going to win me great huge design awards necessarily, but it's kind of what I like to do and yeah, it's comforting yeah, to you. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, we, the kind of what we're looking at is, you know, the idea of a studio craftsperson. person. You can certainly get by, and a lot of people do doing certain design vein, arts and crafts, or this or that. But you know, we all kind of hope to find some kind of design voice, design look that people respond to. Oh, Where well, they buy it, and we can uh, make a living yeah. at that. Well, I mean, but, if I recall this, yeah.
1: this program when I went to it was called professional crafts. Yep. I mean it was called production crafts. Yeah, production crafts. Bad. not professional. Yeah. Professional yeah. is what it's called now. Yeah. Right. But let's let's circle back a little yeah. bit and then come back to this <laughs> discussion cuz this is sort of we're getting towards <laughs> we're, we're we're putting the end before we get back to mm-hmm. more of the more of the beginning and and your mm-hmm. beginnings oh, of, yeah. as a as a woodworker. I mean what what in what inspired <laughs> you? What were you So you were
2: building architecture warren wilson was some of the the yeah actually i did did. a big science building at warren wilson did work at ab tech did elementary schools and you know that in all honesty that's kind of meat and potatoes when Mm -hmm. i was doing it it's like the client has specifications and i was very much into it's not wasn't i didn't was never into high design architecture i wanted not to break the client's bank and to give them what they wanted when it comes to my own designs and what i was kind of struggling through at school and then the years after that and and still kind of deal with is I, and this, I even have this in my nice formal artist statement. I have this kind of two backgrounds. One is this very rigorous training in architecture and studio design and craft and history. I'm very academic. Mm-hmm. And that kind of comes out in some architectural forms. But I also, I grew up around here. I've hiked thousands of miles on the trails and love flora and fauna, amateur birder and love plant identification and all that. So I kind of like natural themes, whether it's local or a little Japanese aesthetic, and that kind of rigorous deco-like constructed architectural thing. And natural themes, eh, they're a little bit opposite ends of the spectrum. A little disparate, yeah. Sometimes I yeah. go to one, sometimes I go to the other, sometimes try to blend them, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's a nice harmonious thing sometimes. So you stand back and you're like, that <laughs> didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all look at projects. That they, maybe it's just me, but I... Very few I've ever like looked like, ah, that was perfect. It's always sort of like, oh, yeah, it went too much yeah. this way, too much <laughs> that way, and I'd do it differently this next time. Or, well, uh, yeah, I mean, because I, yeah, I think
1: even on that continuum, I don't think any idea is ever completed. Yeah. And in that sense, it's very different from architecture. I mean, in True. architecture, you go, yeah, it's got four walls, and I put a roof on it, and yes, you it, kind of hand the plans over. And, and you hand and you're the you're plans done. over, yep. and, and it's done. It yep. reaches a logical, but, you know, with the... Uh, You know, any of my pieces, certainly, I was like, you just pick a point which you stop, and you're done.
2: And Yeah, and certainly there are structural concerns and just the engineering of the material itself. It's Mm -hmm. like you can only go with outside of certain parameters before you've got cracks or things falling apart. Aesthetics, yeah, it's like, I could do this, I could do that. And I learned after a while, I did, it's kind of a famous one, uh, this bed that I did that I kept on throwing things at it. Curves, mountain, carved mountains, burrow wood. And you stand back, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, that is hideous. Yeah. (laughs) And it's been one of the most popular projects. I've gotten orders for them. I I finally just told galleries, no, I refuse to do this anymore because I've simplified it (laughs) and simplified it. But I kind of think of it as a kitchen sink. I kept on throwing things at it. Now, usually when I design, I'll put stuff, elements on there, and then it's like subtract away. And I usually do that with students as well, people trying to overdo it and Things get busy over the top and kind of pulling elements away a little bit, I think That's really simplify yeah, it. Yeah, but I still struggle with that. And I know when I first started out, those first few years, I mean, some people, I, I think I took to it pretty well, but yeah, it's a struggle. Everybody does the mistake of here's this project and here's what the price I need to get for it and realize that you've made $2 an hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you can't. And do they're done. <laughs> I and mean, we've, we, we've talked about that a lot. And I mean,
1: if you put that kind of calculation into your work mm-hmm. it almost makes it an impossible hill to climb
2: it it depends on which direction you're going on you know, some people are making truly artistic stuff and that demands what it demands and yeah it's hard to some but sometimes I guess when I was doing I thought I was going to go out and do sculptural stuff and you know beautiful furniture and I did a lot of that but I found my work actually like built-ins uh, and I struggle with this with students now it's like a cabinet and they can be beautiful you can you don't have to try to mimic what you can get commercially but that became a lot of bread and butter, and I would do it with beautiful veneers and do it with curves, but there was a calculus a little bit of bidding projects and trying to make a living, particularly starting a family that kind of hated it to be that little like the devil on the shoulder saying, this it must be this price, it's got to be this much if I want to make a, you know, pay the month's rents and all that. It's hard to know which of that, do I want to be this kind artiste or do I want to do that? And still, again, still struggle with that, although I don't have to at this point, but well, yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: you know, I guess it's all part of your, your education because, mm-hmm. I mean, I spent a year here and then I, I learned what I needed to learn, but I was also dead flat broke. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I moved, moved here from West Virginia. I was paying yeah. out of state tuition. And, oh, yeah, you were. <laughs> and I left, I left with another student here and we went and worked in a cabinet shop in Apex, North Carolina yep. for the next five years. And that was an education too. I mean, it was a brutal education, yeah. but that was an education in in the box banging business. So, yeah. you know, and you gotta work quickly
2: and crank it out. Yeah, And, and there's enormous, it's, it's not fun being in that trench and not necessarily, most of the people who come here and the people we're thinking about don't aspire to that. It's a great thing to do in some ways, but it is a good trench to, to fight in for a little while. It, I, it is, yeah. I mean,
0: when yeah. I came out, of haywood i dropped into your shop and, mm-hmm. and jonathan's shop and I guess susan was in there too and yeah i was helping you guys on projects but then when i sailed off on my own it was f- high and then back down and then i had oh, to get yeah. a trim job and then i had to work at a, a cabinet shop for a little while and and that's help jonathan to, more and yeah so that's like, a common refrain yeah, i mean absolutely to, you know
2: it takes a long time to get your legs underneath you to figure out Whew. what to charge also to you know, just how to market stuff. And whether you, do I make my own awesome stuff and try to find the people to buy it? Or you hate going here, but do I like modify my designs to make them more palatable and more sellable? It's a yeah. battle a lot of people well, decide. I, if I, you don't I have still to. still struggle but. with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, the, I think the, the piece that
1: took me years to learn mm-hmm. is it, it, there isn't one answer. There's no. 10 answers. I mean, the yeah, answer is, yeah. do I modify a design and make it, you know, turn it into more of a production piece mm-hmm. and sell it? Yes, do <laughs> do I do some of that horrible kitchen cabinet work? I can't stand. Yes, it's oh, the yeah. most profitable work out there. Do I do some of my own artwork? Yes, I mean I think yeah. that is the
2: the key I found yeah. over the years. I think so. I totally agree. I think there are some people who can just thrive on they happy to work in a cabinet shop for twenty years. There's some people who can like production one production thing day in day out. I think both of those who drive me a little crazy. And yeah, I, I was in the same boat. Yeah, whatever came through the door for a while, it's like, I'll do this thing. And there were sometimes people like, oh, I had a client early on who like, for their child's bathroom vanity, was like, I want it to look like it was carved trees. So I actually had the countertop chase over the top. And, you know, I didn't really know how to carve. She's like, can you do this? Yeah. Why? yes, yes, yeah. I, can, I yeah. can carve it. Never said no. <laughs> so yeah, and it it turned out, she loved it, turned out well, but you say yes to a lot of things. The mm-hmm. The point, the hope is someday you get to a place where... You say to what yes to what you want to make, or you just make what you want to make. But, but yeah, in those first few years, whatever came in the door that would pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And there are many things I have made that will not appear in any portfolio that will ever be seen by the public again. Um, right there that's with part you. of right. it. And I think we all aspire to. You have to do that. Or I waited tables for about a year. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad no pictures exist of that. My <laughs> students would adore <laughs> seeing that. But uh, right. Right. I'll try and find some. Yeah, uh, thankfully I don't think any exists. but. But, yeah, you, but, you you know, oh, you know, hopefully it's a slow, well, hopefully it's a fast, but it's a procession. And I got to the place where, yeah, I didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And I could turn down jobs. And that's a wonderful thing when somebody comes in with, can you repair this? Or... I found this in a catalog. Can you make this cheaper? Which Oh, the that things. was that was the worst one. That well, was the one. Always, I dreaded. Yeah, we yeah. always everybody has that, you know, somebody I found this on. Can you make this cheaper? Which I saw generally, it at Ikea, you, and yeah. want you to make it. Usually you can't make it cheaper. That's the first problem, yeah. and it's also self crushing, but you know, if, after yeah. a while you get to a higher clientele. Those folks aren't coming in. You, you know, you just don't have to do that and you're doing the things that are I mean, I hate to bring everything back to profit, but or you're doing at least the things that just give you a lot of energy, a lot of just positive feeling. And that's the place to get to, which mm-hmm. yeah, finally got there. And yeah, and and yeah. and I'm
1: sure, as a sidelight to all of this, you had your own passion projects going.
2: Yeah, I, you I, know, you had yeah. that
1: little that little thing working on the side that it took you three months to build because you were busy doing the other stuff
2: that you know made made a living. Yeah, I was definitely the type as like after I finished up a job, yeah, it's. Force myself to like sign up for an exhibition at a gallery or do mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Like, it's going to make me do something creative and something I with I a dead
1: de- Something preferably
2: with a yeah. deadline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A deadline, and but also it's like okay, this doesn't have to function. It can be a wall sculpture. It can just be yeah. whimsical. It can be just let it all because that's the stuff that really is much more fun. And yeah, to giving yourself permission, I think that's a great thing to do. Even. Some people just can make a career of doing those wonderful, whimsical things. I kind of like. I got a little bit too much of a practical streak, that academic kind of background, but I, I loved at that point, and still, when time allows, giving myself permission to do something weird, wacky, try new techniques, do things that are more artistic. I, I, I think for a lot of us, that's the way to go. It just gives us a lot of the energy and makes it yeah. just so much more fun. So you, you kind of
0: ran your own cabinet shop, calling hmm. it a cabinet shop as a loose explanation. Yeah, for it, the, the, in theory, studio. more furniture,
2: but yeah, in all honesty, for, probably... For what,
0: eight or nine years or Yeah, so, I think or? eight years, yep. Okay, yeah. and then what, you know, it sounds like that was... a. A struggle and a, and a success back and mm-hmm. forth, um, what led you to decide to to start teaching? Uh,
2: part of it was just the invitation. My mentor, who we'll hear from soon, was um, he was kind of backing mm-hmm. off some of his classes, Wayne Rabb, yeah, here at the community college, and looking for somebody to take over some summer classes, and I had actually, uh, in that wonderful, like, changing from one career to another, I had actually looked at teaching and had actually nearly gotten a teaching degree, almost probably one credit one class short of that. Oh, wow. So, so you did? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I know my educational pedagogy as well. So I'd had that and did a little student teaching in a high school, which made me realize that I was not suited to teaching in high school. So I think <laughs> that was that would have, I, I would not be probably alive now. I think it, something would have gone haywire in that. But but I love teaching and transferring that stuff. And when Wayne decided to kind of, as he was kind of nearing the end of his career, take summers off, he needed somebody to cover and asked me. and. Because uh, I was familiar with the program and had been out and working and was a known quantity and had that background and uh, did it for a summer. And then he was retiring. And so I did the following summer, apply for the position. and mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, it's not that I wanted the easy, uh, cushy job with benefits. That has been nice, particularly in that this was about the time of the Great Recession. It was. So that was a perfect 2008. timing. 2008? Uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, in some ways, that was wonderful. Wow, but, but it's fun. Yeah. I remember when he retired, hearing him talk about, you know, letting somebody have his dream job for 32 odd years. And I won't say it's a dream job. There's tons of headaches, but it's it's a fun challenge. Uh, Mm -hmm. Students come. I've, I've learned probably far more in the last 10 years than any one of them has learned because they come up with interesting projects. It's just a fun engineering technical personality challenge. So there are times when I... Want to tear my hair out, uh, and I'm, I'm amazed that I don't have gray hair. For some, got some good genes there. I should be should be gray or white by now, given some of the the student things. We did it, we the, did it uh, for you. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. I should because there's bureaucracy to no end. There are you know supervising 12 to 15 students on terrifying power tools. Uh, we have generally some kind of accident, thankfully minor every year, but. I have rabbit ears whenever I hear weird sounds coming from the machine room, and can usually identify. Oh, that was a bandsaw break. now. motors making weird. Yeah, uh, weird students have sounds. a habit of like yelling out when they cut a board too short, an expletive, which makes me come running because I think it's something else they've cut off. But, uh, but the teaching back to that, does I go back to route? Yeah, it's just such a fun challenge. Um, you know, I they just come up with the weirdest, wildest stuff. Sometimes it wants and makes me can tear my hair out. But <laughs> you just see. Different approaches, people kind of coming and finding, beginning to find, and you never find it over that two-year period, but beginning to find their own design voice, mm-hmm. seeing somebody come in who has no background in it, and they're kind of doing some pretty interesting stuff at the end, and then down, you keep in touch with them a few years down the road, and see that they're flying high, or maybe doing something else, but... like yeah. yeah, I mean, of, I yeah. think
1: that, that whole role as a mentor is a, yeah. is a fascinating one in teaching, and the, and the mm-hmm. role you... You get in, in sort of shaping people early because I know Wayne shaped me largely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Rob mm-hmm. and I were talking about this. Is like, I would do these really crude sketches of ideas <laughs> that that were the beginning. They were the mm-hmm. kernel of something, but they certainly weren't well thought out. Mm-hmm. It was like,
2: you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: it, it was like, <laughs> you know, as I've learned over the years, you know, a piece is really a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect storm of surfaces and colors and textures, and it all comes together. Or it doesn't. Or it doesn't. Yes, or it <laughs> yeah. doesn't. Um, and Wayne was so informative in, in helping me do that. Mm-hmm. And the curious thing that brings us all around is I do very little furniture anymore. I got a commission <laughs> once in a blue moon and uh, I got a commission <laughs> this through the Artful <laughs> Home for a piece that I first built in Haywood. Hmm. And this was like last year no <laughs> this was this was three months ago Yeah, yeah last year you never oh, that's know that's true duh <laughs> it yep. was last yeah. year it was uh yeah, yes it was a
0: piece that wayne helped you design it was yeah. a piece that <laughs> wayne <laughs> helped me design
1: it was a it was a bridge writing table i was i you know i think probably every woodworker goes through their bridge phase <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah there's the bridge specific. phase and i had sketched out this re- and and Wayne filled in the details. And, and to this day, I don't know how much of this, that piece is me and how much of it is an extension of Wayne and what well, I learned here. And yeah. I'm sure
2: you've had those experiences as well. Absolutely. Students, and I wish I were I could, I'm pretty good at that. I wish I could be better because students, I don't know if they're more iconoclastic these days. Yeah, here's my sketch. I want to do this. Mm. And, you know, you first think, well, well. Well, that's. Usually, I mean, I don't say yeah, quite it. that. Uh, dis- the the <laughs> up, the up voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's not going to yeah, work. But as a teacher, you can't say that. Yeah, because you know, there's sometimes they're like, okay, you've got these two inch ten-inch-wide pieces of wood crossing each other. You can't put. You can't do that. Or you know, if you've got yeah. this table apron that's an inch tall, it, it's going to gr- crack. Uh, you know, there are certainly technical things that you can absolutely and slowly but surely i mean again there's so much engineering and woodworking that's the dirty secret people think it's this wonderful art it is an art form in many ways but you kind of certainly have to wrangle them to say wood you know you, you can't do this or you know if you do this it, it'll be much more strong or sometimes it's technical if you if you just change this little detail it becomes half the time to make it yeah. uh, and then there's the aesthetic things people tend to i like this and particularly when they come to you with a book or something like i really want to make this yeah. and i
0: want it to look exactly like that
2: yeah, I guess there's nothing. In some ways, there's nothing wrong with that, unless you're copying someone else's design. It's not. But like, well, let's see about making it. You know, let's make it your own. Why don't you? What if you think about this? And it, there's a danger because I don't want to say, what if you put this curve like that? And They're like, yeah. It's like, well, that's my curve. I want to, Yeah, you just you want to lead that. them to that right. discovery. And certainly, other students. I mean, another yeah. one of my
1: fondest memories of, of Wayne just letting a student kind of flail <laughs> and in, and involving all of us. I'm sorry. If I digress into Uh-oh. old Haywood stories, I'm really in this reminiscent mood. <laughs> but I'm just – it just came flashing Are there back. Are tears coming out of your eyes? And, yeah, the tears coming out of my eyes. No, there was a student that was really into Jerry Osgood stuff. Oh, yeah. And he wanted to do oh, it, what, a, a desk, a Jerry Osgood desk. Laminated. Out of split huge, curves. Oh, and... it wasn't laminated. It was steam bent. Oh, yeah. It was oh, a huge oh, steam wow. bent timber. And we it, I think it oh, was my. I think it was walnut. And of oh. course it wasn't air dried. It was it was kiln dried. Wow, you're just
2: you're just ticking off the don't do list, right? Right. Oh, and yeah. Wayne that, let us but the amazing
1: be. thing was is that it involved all of us. It was all of the first year students because huh. it was God, this what was this I mean, I'm gonna exaggerate because age exaggerates everything and time. <laughs> I'd say this thing was ten feet long, oh, four <laughs> inches wide, eight quarters oh. Thick. Oh. and the whole class, we all pulled this thing out of the uh, out of the steam box and it took like seven or eight of us to bend this beam and I think it did crack I'm almost positive it did but he made it work in his piece but it was uh it was just yeah but that was anyways I digress let's get back to uh well
2: yeah it's it's student and some, sometimes you will get a student who's like no I want to do this and mm-hmm. usually I can wrangle them into when it comes to some kind of engineering thing thing but when it comes to aesthetics, that's, I mean, you can only nudge so far, and that's, you know, and, you know, I, there have been plenty of things where I think people said, that I want to do this, and that's just like, oh, well, and that's part of the thing, when you're trying to be a good critic, you're like, that's not my thing, I hate it, if it works, it's, it's a coherent design, it has total value, and I yeah. can't say, you know, it's like, oh, I don't really like it, but yeah, there have been, but there are some things that people do that, like, that's not my thing, and it's just hideous on any and subjective, objective level, and you and that's the world of furniture, too. Oh, yeah. You know? And, of course, somebody will totally buy it. That's what it always comes right. out well, to be. Well, it's also the, yeah. the
1: world of letting people discover and fail on their oh, own. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you find, know, find their own voice, like I you're mean, you are yeah. saying. I think we all started in, in mimicry. I mean. Oh, man, oh yeah. You know, I, absolutely. I, I think, you know, what first attracted me to woodworking was reading that Wendell Castle book on mm-hmm. wood lamination. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden. You know, the world was Wendell Castle. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw the
0: work of this guy Eric Wolken, and was no. <laughs> <really> blown away. <laughs> when, Wendell Castle got me, yeah. and George Nakashima, and yeah. But weird how those different non-traditional furniture avenues, mm-hmm. and uh, how am I going to combine that stuff? It's like yeah, and that well, was uh, and, and trying and to your figure own boys, that out. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: while you're here, I mean, so that's the beauty, I think, of programs like this is that in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. you can learn an incredible amount and make a
2: make more progress than you ever could in your own studio Almost. or your own shop. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's one of the great, yeah, because it, it does, I think it's eye-opening for a lot. of People like, oh, I'm gonna learn how to kind of cut this joinery and do that, but it's like, no, you've got, you're got you taking, and, and sometimes they're like, they blanch at first. I don't have to do those other classes, but like you're taking this design class, and oh, by the way, we're gonna go for her- furniture history, and we're gonna like sail through 5,000 years, and we're gonna, I'm going to show you all this, like the quarter of the semester is going to spend on this stuff in the last 30 years, and yeah, Jerry Osgood, and Wendell Castle, and and yeah, usually it's, they you know, sometimes it's kicking and screaming, but they get inspired by those things, and they often do go through, yeah, I'm going to make, and Jerry, I adore Jerry's work, and yeah, I love it, and i inspired by those curves he does as well, and so I've got one downstairs, it's like I really want to do blended joints, you know, I want to do a tapered bent lamination, a la Jerry, and and you know it may start off as mimicry uh, you know you hope that they actually sort of migrate it into kind of finding something that's their own um, you know, you know, there's mimicry you've certainly got a problem with if you do that it's not the best thing to do but it's you know a foundational point from somebody in furniture history or something like that that's a great place to start and you might completely just say, oh, I went through that phase and I'm done with that. Or it might become the foundation for your own kind of unique take on that design. And yeah,
1: I mean, I uh, you know, in truth, none of us are reinventing the wheel. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we're, we're all... We're all we're uh, taking
0: a little piece of the pie and kind of making it our own. Yeah. Right.
2: Was, oh, I'm back in another part of it. The hilarious thing is how people see designs has changed so much. I think when with, all of us were with started... The yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, with the Yeah. I mean, right. we had a suite of books and for all of us, you know, I the slide carousels of historical things yeah, formal furniture and all the fine files. woodworking design books exactly yeah, yeah that was a, that was the that was the, the that SCT, was like encyclopedia yeah. back when <laughs> i was yeah. and in some ways i love that because you had these things but it forced you to go outside the box now i mean i get look what i found on pinterest on my smartphone and which is great in a way It's too easy. It it is, and sometimes it leads you to just kind of do something in the vein of this. Although I can't tell you how many designs. I've got sketchbooks, and I'm like, I love this. And then I look through Pinterest, and like, oh, there it is. Somebody's done it. I don't think I can do it now. Or I've got to change my... It's it's a wonderful tool.
1: There's a a great article I read (laughs) in American Craft probably five, six years ago. It was basically a synopsis of a book. I forget the guy's name, Austin something or other. Anyways, the crux of it, the book is called, and the article was called, Learn How to Steal Like an Artist.
2: <laughs> Have you seen that? I haven't. And, but there's the great, you know, what is the quote that uh, good poets uh, borrow, great poets steal? Yeah, I think yeah, that's, yeah. I can't yeah, remember who yeah. came yeah. up with that it it was like Eddie like, Hoffman or something. You yeah. know, what yeah. are, yeah. Sort of like what that, are yeah.
1: the rules of the road of of, of, of visually let's use the word stealing how do you <laughs> steal and not appropriate how mm-hmm. do you how do you steal and not mimic yeah how do you and i, steal I think and not plagiarize it's, yeah, yeah.
2: It's, and it's sometimes it's a very gray area i think it's wonderful to be inspired and to take something in your own direction and that's it's like oh, people recognize that's you and maybe in, yeah. you know in an artist statement you say oh i've got the inspiration from that yeah, i think yeah. that's a good road to go down but yeah, Collective if you see something, yeah, kind of thing. I mean, yeah. if you see something out there and everybody else, you know, it's it's clearly came from somebody else. I'm like, I want to make that, and I've had students do that, and I usually say it's like, that's fine, you do it, it's for you. If you want to put it in a show or sell it, you know, you got to make it your own. Um, I, I, we always we're cracking up. It's I don't want to hit anybody, but river tables. Have we all seen those? You know, oh, It's a uh, spit across well, The whole piece thing of glass. with people
1: <laughs> pouring epoxy on, on yep, exactly. live edge work. I, I had so many I, of my friends send me that. It's like, Rob, I,
0: this is
2: awesome. I, I mean, it's I don't me want to done anybody who's making those and whoever came up. I, I remember seeing five or six years ago. Yeah. The first one, one guy off, did Holy that pour. moly, that is cool. And now everybody it, is, it's their everywhere. It's everywhere. And, yeah. of course,
1: I don't know that you'd want somebody in your
2: shop pouring a, 10 gallons of epoxy into uh, a mold. That's a kind of turn on the... F- yeah, I don't... Yeah, I, if, if we use epoxy, but in very small batches. and Yeah. Yeah, that could do some damage. But, you know, that's a great... They're beautiful in a way. They're also... Uh, they're they're kind of tired. And so when people want to do that... And the same, I think, is slab furniture. Uh, Nakashima style, Oren style. It's become all the rage in the last 10 years. And I, I guess I'm worn out of it. Uh, yeah. That was actually very it. interesting. I, I was...
1: <laughs> I did... I did the high Point show mm-hmm. one of the one of the not i wasn't in one of the main buildings. I was in a <laughs> building way far down the road. almost nobody saw my work mm-hmm. but um I went into one of the main buildings at mm-hmm. uh, at high Point and somebody was basically doing uh um, nakashima's Conway chair mm-hmm. and yeah. I remember going up to him and going, "You know you can't do this I mean you're gonna get a cease and desist <laughs> you 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 are you have his com- daughter still makes them, you know yeah, that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and and maybe I was just being a little a, a total horse's ass, and I shouldn't have said that, but it was like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you can't do this. Yeah. I mean, it's this tough, isn't
2: your work. Yeah, it's a tough call. Some things yeah. are in the public domain. I mean, you can make a loose style chair. Yeah, so I, was I was gonna say, generous. Yeah, and- he was generous about saying, make my stuff, which yeah. only rebounded and made his stuff more valuable. Right. There are certain things like, yeah, you just can't make. And, and I I still, and I, what I love for myself, what I love for students, it's like, you could do that and you'll definitely have to deal with the legal things yeah, like that zoo. You can't
0: go make a Wendell Castle and Yeah. Have them say, but, uh, wow well that and doesn't
2: look anything like yeah. a Wendell Castle. And yeah. and yeah. I think I, guess, I fundamentally think you shouldn't you should make yeah. you you should you some, find your own design yeah. voice i think well, that's and, ultimately right. what we want and, and yeah. that's unfortunately yeah. the hardest path <laughs> I mean, it is that and was, it, it can be something you know incredibly distinctive where everybody says that's a that's a welcome yeah. that's a whatever and you know yeah. that if you can get to that place that's a wonderful it's harder these yeah. days but it's a yeah, wonderful it place to be I mean, but yeah, even, if, even if you're doing something that started off you know was inspired by something else you can just make it your own and if people value that, you enjoy making it that's what we all hope for, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean and and the, the
1: big challenge is trying to trying to better yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, my friend Dean Polver once saying to me, Do you think you've made your is your do you still have your best work ahead of you or behind mm-hmm. you? And it's a terrifying question. <laughs> it's utterly terrifying to think, have I made my best piece? Is it you know You shouldn't think like that, Eric. Just I keep know. on making stuff. Anyways, <laughs> Well, so in, in that vein, <laughs> thinking about, you know, back to the days of Wayne Rapp, mm-hmm. I remember Wayne clearly set aside a day or two in the studio where he was just doing his own work. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and he made it very clear... Uh, hopefully I'm remembering this, this correctly. a day or two a,
2: a week? That'd be awesome. Or a day or two every once in a while? Or no, it was a,
1: I remember it being, again, memory is a weird thing. I remember it being every Friday or so. Okay. It was a non-teaching day. Mm-hmm. And he'd be in the studio, usually turning or painting in the mm-hmm. or doing you know one of his painted pieces in the spray booth. Mm-hmm. And he made it very clear,
2: I am invisible. <laughs> I am not here. Uh,
0: so have you managed to pull that off? Uh, do yeah. You I mean, do
2: you so say, no, I... I And I applaud Wayne for this. He was much better at boundaries than I am. I get here crazy early in the morning and students know they can do that. And my office door, I I guess I should put blinds up or something like that and a lock (laughs) on it. No, they can come in any time. Lunch breaks don't really exist. If I stay late, I'm not very good at setting those boundaries. Um, I do find myself, I mean, if I didn't, I do make some things for myself or for shows and things like that. And I've literally sign up for shows i've done two this year signed up for just like okay that will force me to do it it's harder um the the the, the blessing and the curse of our program is there's just a phenomenal amount of hours i'm in front of students 30 30 I mean, that's just the formal hours i'm with students 38 plus hours a week and it i'm sure it comes out to be more than that wow officially i don't have any classes on fridays and that would be a wonderful time to do that but there's enough paperwork enough school projects and the students know they can come in and that um, yeah. I keep on threatening to get a shirt with some expletive stay away and like dark shades. So they know not to bother me. I've never set those boundaries, but it's time I to still, do it. <laughs> yeah, I really should. But I do carve out moments early so, mornings. And because, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just do you think a, I'd go crazy if I didn't make some of my own stuff. So do you here. have a studio at home or you do that? Here? I have a little bit of uh, a tiny space at home I have a there's a shop in Asheville I have access to and it's kind of we're we we do not really have a great luxury of an encouragement of making lots of work here but I get we are allowed to do a little bit for exhibition so mm-hmm. I find the time and just you know have my own saw blades and all my own stuff and my own wood and just find out the time to carve to do that because I think I'd go crazy if I didn't yeah um, right. some people could just do this but I like making the stuff and It does. The nice place is, I'm going to, this allows me the luxury of, it doesn't have to be for profit. Right. So I can just try different techniques. And I haven't really gone out, I just temperamentally don't make crazy sculptural pieces. I wish I were like that. But I can play with different techniques, experiment, just do, whimsical might be too strong a word for what I'm doing, but just things I, you know, that I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily, avenues I wouldn't necessarily have gone down to when I was making a living at it. So those hours, you know, it's just, it's here and there, it's scattershot, I, I should absolutely, totally outfit myself with a do not bother sign or something like that and really carve out those times. We'll make you one. Well. we'll get our first guest, <laughs> Timothy
0: Maddox, to paint you a do not bother sign. Yes, yeah, so that, ah, right. that yeah. would be wonderful. Tim. Will, <laughs> that, that would be
1: really cool. Tim will paint you a sign to put over the office door. Do do He'll screen print right. you a
2: t-shirt. Yeah, again, uh, I aspire to have those boundaries and I should totally do it, but... You know the danger is. Well, sometimes I get too wrapped up in those things, and I'm like, "Oh, I got to come crashing back down and go do the stuff I'm really supposed to do." But, but yeah, I, I it, I think I, I it's kind of a. I think all of us, most of us, do what we do because it's just a little bit of a compulsion. Maybe it's a lot of compulsion for a while. I think it's a lot of compulsion. I mean, my <laughs> yeah, runs, main yeah,
1: my main concept of, of of makers is that this is a disease, uh, and and, yeah. and it's an incurable disease,
2: and that's why we do this. Yeah, I. I don't know that anybody runs away and does woodworking because, I mean, you can make a... There are a few, certain few individuals who make a royal living out of it. But yeah. most of us run away and do it because it's sort of a compulsive need to do it. And
0: what did Tim say yesterday? He said, it's not a disease, it's an ease. <laughs> it's an ease? <laughs> because it calms us. Well, it's, yeah. Right. Oh, you know, yes. That's right. Yeah. It actually helps us with our compulsions. Yeah. It does.
1: I like... I
2: think a lot of folks in woodworking and I think in craft in general I think it maybe varies by medium are, are maybe a little OCD or yeah. maybe mm-hmm. a little ADHD and on the spectrum of that and yeah. Yeah. yeah it does I mean it's immensely frustrating many times you have mm-hmm. projects where you're like this isn't going well and you just throw start it, over yeah you and start over in the bin and <laughs> plenty of those oh uh, man but yeah it's you're scratching an itch or something like that and so, oh yeah god yeah I think- I, and it's funny I remember talking with Wayne about a little bit about this and just that he hardly ever found time to make those things unless he did that and I find the time occasionally I used to do a few commissions and I finally had to kibosh that they took too much time but yeah I still try to find a little bit of time and just it just yeah it is scratching that itch and I think there's actually as a teaching standpoint there's an enormous benefit too because students get to the actually we just put up a little faculty show here at the school and one of the students literally two hours ago was just like it's nice to see your work. We haven't—I've seen it in slides, but I just haven't seen any in a while. And so that's—and it's not the stuff that I'm most fond about. But they like seeing that. I think when you're working on something, particularly, just watching the pace you do it at, watching the decisions you made, mm-hmm. the, the design decisions, the right. making decisions, the your aesthetic things, uh, there's a lot of benefit to in an educational setting. Students say, "Why did you do that?" or "How did you do that?" Uh, That's—I've had that comment many times. They like seeing that, as long as it's not actively taking away from the formal job that I'm teaching, then I think it's
1: a Well, no, I, I mean, I think, you know, I grew up in a family where my father was a scientist, <laughs> and there was a lot of science happening, and I don't see science and art that different because I think fundamentally they're both mm-hmm. problem-solving. Yeah. And I think the design process is is problem-solving. I mean, the the, the way sure. you pr- solve the problems is different. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, I, I think a, in any project, there's many junctures at which... There are problems that need to be solved, whether they're aesthetic
2: issues or whether they're functional issues or whether they're structural issues. And, absolutely. and I, I, I think people it's funny when people talk, well, you're a, I mean, there's the great, I'm guessing we've all seen the uh, Portlandia with the woodworker episode, and people are like, the woodworker oh my gosh you're a woodworker yeah. they, it's they, pretty funny and if you haven't seen it Eric, uh, everyone it. should look that up it, i've it, only it,
1: seen the one that we put a bird on it yeah no yeah. the woodworking
2: one it's it's so perfect because it, it it shows the 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 wonderful allure crashing into the actual reality in a, in a perfect way but yeah i think people oh, and woodworking it's i mean we treat it as an art uh, in some ways, but it, a lot of it is purely problem-solving. It's like, okay, yeah. I got this vision. Well, first off, the, even the vision takes a lot of design, and that's a whole problem. Solving. But making the material, like, there's so many choices every step of the way. And oh, yeah. I think a lot of students come in here thinking, oh, this is a great organic thing. And you can go that with sculpture or something like that, with you know, subtractive sculpture. but. It's like okay, we got to think of how this goes together. What's what is the joinery you're going to use? And you can use a machine joint, you can use hand cut joint, you can use this. We have got this machine over here. It's three thousand dollars. Like It'll a, do a Big jiffy. choose your own adventure story. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I actually I think I drive students just a little bit bonkers because they'll be go. How do I do this? And it's like well, you can do it this a, way or this B, way C. or this way or this way. This way is fast, but we need an expensive machine. This way would be actually we can five bucks of plywood. We can make a jig to do it with a plunge router and like, at some point they start like drooling and looking slack jawed and it's like please please t- which way should I do um, yeah there's a hundred different ways like I don't want to make your decision for you but yeah it, and I, I don't want to do that sometimes yeah. it's actually beneficial to say just do this and they're yeah. like, okay thank you but yeah it's problem solving yeah. so Learn much, much of it day. is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's yeah there's so many competing different ways to go about it and not just from a structural standpoint but aesthetics I mean aesthetics are everything is a choice that there are wrong answers there are right answers but there are probably a thousand right answers and i think students particularly like which is the rightest right answer i'm like if you did any of these things well, the project yeah. would be a success and it would be beautiful and people would love it do i you, don't know how to know which one of them is right and we won't know until we do if we did all of them then we could we we could like do a hundred of these things and we would know which was right and if Back, one maybe. of them
0: doesn't work and it cracks try the other one
2: yeah Although, I, mean, I might open up Pandora's box here, but Hello.
1: at least I mean, structurally, there are definitely wrong answers. Oh, yes,
2: absolutely. I'm
1: not sure there are wrong answers aesthetically. I think there in, are in, answers that some work better than the others. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, aesthetically, unless I'm doing a commission for a client mm-hmm. and I'm doing it specifically <laughs> to meet their aesthetics, yeah. if I am doing a, a piece purely for me and I am the client the the aesthetic answers are what knocks my socks off yeah True. it's in your mind's eye it's yeah. what's want, in, in my no mind's eye
2: so there there are no wrong answers yeah i mean you i totally agree when you're working with a client and they're like i want arts and crafts and you're like I did a window Castle piece for you. We have a problem, a disconnect. Yes, yeah. exactly. But, You know, and sometimes they're probably—I don't know if they're truly wrong or right? yeah there are definitely right answers. And there's some that, that fundamentally don't want. If I said I'm going to make a green and green window Castle table, <laughs> that would be problematic. That might become an amazing well, juxtaposition. I'm not yeah. seeing it right now. Maybe yeah. there's some way that that could, be, that could be pulled out of the fire. There's some things yeah. that probably ostensibly maybe it never worked, but yeah, it's and I think students in particular—they want, they think there is the one right answer. I think maybe when we start out, we think that, and it's, it's kind of, you get to a place where you're like, this will work, and at some point, particularly when you make a living, you have to stop that editing process. You're like, oh, this is what I've got. Maybe there's another better one out there if I spend another week sketching and prototyping, but I'm on a deadline, and this will this, work. I like it, I'm happy with it, I know there's a better version, and maybe I have the luxury of doing the better version right. down the road, but this will work, and I, there's something nice about that to me, that, that little end game deadline thing right. that forces you to make it. Uh, but it is frustrating. I'm the one who always thinks there is another version out of there. And I, I have what I call my 80% thing, which is I'll usually get about 80% through a project. It's assembled, I can envision it and that's to me the hardest stage because i know what it's going to look like i know it's working and i know it's not working and yeah. so that last little bit of assembly and sanding and finishing i find it difficult because i'd rather move on to the next thing yeah i find myself <laughs> like past it already yeah. some like, people just you know, plow through it but I, i'll do it but it's just like okay yeah. I, I, it works it doesn't work you know i could do
1: another so version at that that 80 point 80 percent you're yeah. you're committed
2: to an aesthetic and you won't reverse yourself well, I mean, you can. By that point, the project is cut out; it's there. You can, yeah. I guess, you can nibble away at things, or you know, if it's not assembled, you can say, "Oh, that curvature on that leg like, doesn't work. I can pull yeah. it off." At some point, it's. I was like, "I'm just going to finish it up and then yeah. make another one and make yeah, a better exactly. one." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It, it, yeah,
1: and there's, that and that's. It's ultimately, I think, what it's about. It's yeah. about
2: moving through the work. Yeah. But that yeah. last twenty percent is a slog. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. people like like, oh, you got to say. Sanding never gets fun. and I tell no, students that. Like, I mean, no, At that point, you're, you're like, I've, I've got, I can see the vision it's my of the least thing. I've got favorite s- thing. Yeah, primarily the last little bit details, sanding and finishing, which is not. I mean, putting the first coat of finish on is magic, but other than that, it's not the fun part. And so I'm, I, I find myself wanting to move on. So I've got a graveyard of uh, various projects here and at home of that. That have never I been, got to never been sanded. Like, yeah, that's like ah, I can see that that works. Okay. That was you actually know. one of the funny things because
1: I remember when I first came here. Uh, Wayne was doing a big chair commission for that, that chair of his, and mm-hmm. students were working on it, and they were doing all the sanding. Ooh. And It was like, I was like uh, oh, so this must be what it's at the wow. top of the, the woodworking mountain. Somebody else has for Someone else yeah. sanding for you.
2: I, I say when I was making a living, I had a project. Somebody asked me to do an emerging thing. I had another grad come in, and she spent yeah. four or five days just I sanded for you for a while, so, yeah. Brian. Oh, it's certain. Mariah sanded for you yeah. for a while. Oh, so nice. But. I will say. I mean, Wayne, thankfully, retired, so he could probably get away with that. But uh, yeah, I, I I'm, given where I work, I will not let students sand anything. I don't think the higher-ups would like that. No, I still, I even with those 80%, I plow through the sanding and the finishing. Maybe there's somebody out there who adores that stuff, but uh, it no. certainly isn't me. <laughs>
1: So I wanted to circle back to something really yeah. quick and then we'll, we'll start to wrap it up because when we were talking about finding time to do your own mm-hmm. work, you said you'd like to do some sculptural stuff, <laughs> but you stopped yourself. And I'm again, I'm intrigued by that because I, like so many traditionally framed furniture makers, like Rob, who yeah. went through this program, yeah. whose background is in furniture and furniture design, I cannot, I can't stop scratching that itch of sculpture, mm-hmm, yeah. even though... We have no background in it. <laughs> but that itch, and, yeah. and I've almost completely given up furniture for that itch. I'm which curious. Is awesome. Yeah. I'm curious how you've, why you don't want to scratch that itch. Is or it just you, a cliff you're afraid to jump over? You keep, on, you over keep on mentioning yeah. Oh, yeah. doing sculptural
0: oh, I, stuff. I, I and think then, about this a lot. Uh, I, and, I do too, Brian. I'm kind of yeah. on the same wavelength yeah. as you. Like, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm scratching away. Once upon a time, yeah. it was a practical concern, which is like, I'll be honest, you know, small kids, uh, the rents do. I can make cabinetry do these things. And it was an absolute practical concern. Those were given. Somebody yeah. will pay, pay you know, $1,000 a lineal foot for cabinetry or whatever. That was a known quantity, mm-hmm. and more than 1000 And so I didn't do it for that. Um, but I'm in a place now where I don't have to do that. It's purely a temperament thing. And I think a lot of our students aren't, don't love sculpture. Um, they They're kind of like, I've seen this stuff. It's very structural kind of stuff. I always love it because I get bored of furniture kind of, this must stand and be this high and all that. I love sculpture. My favorite woodworkers are people doing, you know, wild whimsical stuff that function is not a concern. Yeah, I love that. I That's aspire great. to that. At the core of me, it's so difficult. It's it's and it's a weird disconnect. It's it's hard just to pull part. Yeah, of <laughs> it just it's just my own personal little hangup. Yeah, I, it's weird. I like. I want to make something on the wall. Well, I'm just gonna put a little drawer in it. And, or I'm going to make it a mirror no, don't do that. and that it gives me something about that gives me permission putting a little function on it. I, I've only done a it, couple it, things that are just it, purely, purely little sculptural. It's, I, I think that's
1: definitely one of the phases <laughs> of this, of this disease but, oh. is, is that you first start by creating, creating sculptural pieces and imposing a function on it because yep. you're afraid to, you're afraid to dive into that pool. Yep. And then eventually you just say, Oh, screw it.
2: I'm jumping in. <laughs> Maybe I'm the water's the... cold. I'm going in. I, maybe I am I am on that road I just I seem to be my, my, my pace down the road is much slower and I may just be sort of stuck in the lane I'm in for a while I'd love to but but every yeah, I see so many people Mia uh, Hall who's up at Penland who would be a great one to talk to I've adored her stuff Just I'm, trying oh, to think. I'm yeah. just thinking of all yeah. the names of people I love the sculptural stuff that just well we're going to have to yeah. make that journey up the road to Penland <gasps> one of these days oh, that'll be and, and talk to some yeah, folks that's a so but we'll, yeah I just in my own thing I just I can't go there I just i've done it only on a couple little things and it's it's hard i, I don't know why it's maybe i need so some gotta, therapy on that i to take the
0: mirror it. out of the mirror and the drawer out of the drawer and yeah. maybe i Call should have sculpture. some <laughs> kind of thing
2: and go like go and just take a hammer and shatter the mirror just gonna do some kind of oh, crazy some very gary knox thing. bennett kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah i need my, <laughs> little, my nail moment. in yeah I, I it's it's totally a me thing and i again i love it seeing people i had I, I it thrills me when I get a student who wants to do weird stuff. When they want to paint stuff, after a while, I mean, I talk to students, and I get tired of wood after a while. Like, I want to paint it. I want to tack it with a grinder, chip carve, do photo transfer on it. It's just, it's a wonderful, you know, canvas upon which mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to do all these weird, strange things. And it is. Yeah. If we if we talk in another ten years, maybe I will be uh, well. Uh, so, well, so, further down that road. Well, <laughs> so speaking of
1: that, I mean, so well. Let- yeah, where do, you, where do you see yourself in another 10 years oh, boy. moving forward? That's a you tough brought question. it You brought it up. Uh, yeah. I was going there anyway. So, <laughs> I know. So uh, you it's, provided the perfect segue. It is a good
2: one. Uh, good question. It's a toughie. I mean, I think, again, about Wayne, uh, 30, was it 32, 34 years? And at some point, part of me, there's a, there's a little part of me that's like, that'd be awesome to do that and have that long legacy. There are parts of me that every time we, we don't do it enough, but every time we go to visit somebody's studio, I'm just like, oh oh, oh no. i remember this i want to I want be this. Here. Yeah. then i th- sit and think about okay if i uprooted myself and did that uh, that's a it's funny I, I i would do it so much better now it just the act, the act of teaching for 10 years has made me so much more efficient so much better able to problem solve so much yeah. better at marketing and thinking about that i would do yeah. such a better job of it but to try out and go out and do that so <laughs> uh, I, I don't know um i'll maybe probably still here there are it's tremendous fun there are again bureaucratic headaches there are personality headaches there are managing a shop with you know 12 14 people who uh do amazingly come up with amazingly unique ways of destroying equipment. Uh, is just <laughs> I should be. I, oh. I, I they all know. They just I never blow up in anybody. But they they can all see me grit my teeth occasionally oh, when somebody does what, what, something. What are we doing
0: wrong? What what is it?
2: Yeah, when somebody does something especially No, don't let go of that. Yeah, no. I mean if they hurt themselves, that's a terrifying thing. But it's I've I've I've. I've gotten to be excellent at equipment repair for things like that. So that's a bit of a digression. But there are amazing frustrations at this. There are amazing thoughts of the grass is greener and the idea of getting back in the studio. But there are amazing, just wonderful things here. So I don't know. Ask me in 10 years. Well, no. I I mean, I think think actually one
1: of the beauties of teaching is that every year you see a new group of students and you see new possibilities for Mm -hmm. them in terms
2: of where they can grow and where you can possibly grow with them and this, what I'm doing now the, the hours don't allow a lot of time for personal expression except we summers we teach in the summer and mm-hmm. I keep on threatening to take we could take the summers off and I keep on threatening to do that and that I think by then, I, I think I'll maybe I'll commit now that we're talking in this on on tape that, that yeah. maybe I'll be not yeah, be in here is, in the summers. Well, and what years. about
0: finding another you, <laughs> like Wayne well, found you? Yeah, to do, and that would be the theory. Summers. I would get yeah, we, yeah, and
2: that's that's the that's the intention. Maybe somebody and that that would give me that uh, would be great. Basically, yeah. three months hey. to play. So if yeah. I can, I find access Some to seeds this of ideas. Yeah, right. I would. The idea and one of our other instructors in Fiber does that, and she mm-hmm. teaches at other places and does stuff for exhibitions and. I get the feeling it's amazingly recharging, so uh, I think I'll be at some point. Yeah. I need to find the, that balance. Oh, we're lighting a fire. <laughs> we're lighting a fire. <laughs> oh, you're just stoking it. It's been there, but yeah, I, cool. It's still That's fun. so wonderful. But I think, yeah, it's 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 so it's interesting. All of us are like, what are we doing in 10 years? If woodworking is a, it's precarious. You know, it's oh. dependent on so much Ooh. stuff. It's dependent on your health. It's, it's dependent a on rope. your the <laughs> economy, <laughs> people's tastes. Uh, it's a tightrope, and when it's good. And, it's hard to even think ten years out. I don't know when you were when you were starting out. You know, you're 30 years in now. Uh, what was your vision for where you'd be now? <laughs> that is a very good question, Brian. And actually, back at very you.
1: interestingly, no, I was gonna, I was gonna, I, my next question was gonna, as an instructor, present, do you have questions for us as having gone through this program? Yeah, I'm fascinated and to talk to people who through. I started yeah. out. Not knowing that I was going to make 30 years in a career. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I admit, uh, you know, after going through the program and then spending five years in a cabinet shop, I remember distinctly after my first year in the cabinet shop wanting to write Wayne a hello, mother, hello, (laughs) father letter saying, I've stuck laminate for the last three months. I could kill myself. Um, (laughs) That'd do it. But (laughs) eventually, you know, some... I don't know that there was ever a long-term vision. I just kept on slogging on, mm-hmm. and I just kept on having ideas, and those ideas needed to be made.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and as I said, with you know, with my you know, question from Dean, it gets harder. I'm getting close to sixty now. <laughs> um, it's harder and harder to find those ideas that. They'd get me up in the morning and say, I want to build them. And that's part of this why make thing. I Mm -hmm. mean, this is the idea. The idea is that maybe after 30 years as a, having made it through 30 years as a woodworker, this is my contribution back to the community Mm -hmm. to help create the community of talking to people like you, educators, and other makers about what inspires them. Mm -hmm. So we can hopefully inspire the people that are, you know, downstairs you know, working away at their benches, and and maybe that's it. Maybe that's where I see myself hoping to <laughs>
2: pay it forward. Yeah, I think that's a good place to be, because that's... And I think people like the ones downstairs, that's, that's a great model. Of it. I wish I took them to more studios and talked to people more, because it's nice to see people out there doing it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, 30 years, it's... When you're first out there and you're in the trenches, it's like, okay, I'm just thinking about six months in the future, and the, the idea of doing it 30 years is kind of crazy. But I think... We get plenty of students who are just like, oh, it's, this is a hobby, they're trying it for a little bit, they're gonna move on to something else, but those kind of core ones who you kinda of get a sense are gonna do it, who ended up like three of us, it is that itch we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah, it's like, I think it's sorta of like you're not really suited to anything else in our society, we're sad yeah. to say, so. Mm. And that modeling, that and saying, you know, there is a way to do this. I think that's a really beneficial thing. I think the general public wants to know why people make stuff. There's such a fascination yeah. now, and I think it's good for even people in the field to to get that thrown back at them to say, you know, we all yeah. feel that way. Because I know w- woodworkers. I have always found I deal with lots of people in the craft guild around here, and, and certain media are really socially bound woodworkers sometimes, but a lot of times we're just like back in our own little studio buried in there. Yeah. And coming out of the, yeah. We often are hermits and I think things that force us out of that sometimes to, many people are they're very social, but I think we have to force ourselves out of that. And yeah. things like this are great and a little bit of community is a yeah, great thing absolutely. to do.
0: And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go over my little little ah, ten years in. Yeah, I mean I've been no, I to, I've been, I've been I doing definitely it. I wanna put you on the hot seat, Rob. <laughs> yeah. I mean I've I've been two thousand it was when I graduated Haywood and I just wanted to to do it no matter what, <laughs> and the money trickled in didn't come. I got other jobs. I ran mm-hmm. trim for for about two and a half or three years. Worked in other cabinet and furniture mm-hmm. shops for you and Jonathan, and um, and a, a few other people. I I ended up being a delivery driver at Mobilia, <laughs> and the best thing that ever happened to me was that they fired me because <laughs> they realized that I didn't want to be there. <laughs> They realized that I wanted to be in my wood shop mm-hmm. and that's what I cared about, and they were right, and so I pursued it with even more gusto <laughs> and shared shops with a, a few different people, Gail Friedel, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, a couple of different people before I established my own shop mm-hmm. in, in the basement of my house in Weaverville, and and uh, now I'm down in Charleston, but it's that that 10 years was really tough for me to get out on my mm-hmm. own, and it's still tough, but my intention is to to keep on slogging through yeah. and to try and make as much of my own stuff as possible but also you know got to pay the bills so <laughs> it's uh you know working with a lot of different uh, architects and and contractors mm-hmm. and stuff to yeah to do it
2: it is a in theory i mean the people who really want to do it is this mm-hmm. compulsive thing and to me it's not sometimes it's not about your native talent like how good you can make this joint or how revolutionary yeah. and brilliant your designs are. Sometimes it's just the sticking to the slog of it. how motivated you are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. know, How willing you are to do the work to market yourself. How willing you are just to go in there and sand when you don't want to sand. How are you willing to do that other job? But most folks who have that sort of slight compulsion, whatever job you have to do on the side, and hopefully it is that you get fewer and fewer of those and you progress along to keep on doing it. One of
0: the things that gets me up in the morning to do it is I know... I have a feeling deep down inside of me that there 's way way more that mm-hmm. i want to do in the future, <laughs> and that i 've only just not even done a, a quarter or a third of what mm-hmm. i can what i 'm aiming to do mm-hmm. i 've got a lot of ideas and a lot of a lot of uh motivation to do it and it may happen it may not, but i 'm going to sure as heck try <laughs>
1: well. yeah i mean i think uh I think you can make a career out of just stubbornness just out of <laughs> yeah. out of fortitude i think yeah absolutely you, you know well, i think you I mean, have to in some way I, I, yeah, yeah i, I mean yeah. i don't you know I, I don't think the world is divided into talented and less talented mm-hmm. people i think it's divided no. into motivated more motivated and more <laughs> yeah. stubborn people and less motivated and oh, more I, stubborn people yeah. i know yeah.
2: some of the most amazing i i think there's i mean some of the people who are the most talented visionary ones don't do well because they just don't have the motivation and yeah. And we all know the people are like, wow, oh, their stuff I isn't mean, that good, but boy, they just plow and do the hard work. And the best is if you're really good, and you're willing to put in that just, right. you're hard. willing to put in That's the time. That's always the best combination.
0: I heard George Nakashima wasn't allowed to talk to clients, like his wife did, <laughs> because he couldn't sell his stuff yeah. worth yeah. worth anything. So she she did all of the negotiating hmm. and all that. All right. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that. It's a it story. kind of makes sense to me. Like he, <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, there, yeah. there are plenty like that, but
1: yeah, it's. Well, should we wrap this up? Yeah, let's yeah, wrap it up. I really want to thank uh, Brian Wurst for joining us. I oh, think it was a wonderful conversation. It was very fun, and it's really and, good talking uh, to you. We're going to talk to you again in 10 years if I'm still on this <laughs> earth. Yeah. Rob's got to keep on working. He's got to take care of me in my old woodworker's age. Right, know, yeah. You know, the,
0: we're, we're building a woodworking retirement home. Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> right, where we eventually, well, we just cut all our fingers off. And oh, boy. <laughs> no, that's a horrible note to end on. <laughs> <Yeah>. Again, <laughs> Brian. thank you, Brian. It Happy was wonderful it. talking to you. Why Make? Why Make?